when I became a tech lead and uh, I was the most junior developer in that team uh, by then. And um, yeah, and I felt like I had to prove myself for them and and, uh, come up with the smartest solutions and know everything about all the tech and everything in the project. And it took a while for me to just realize that I don't have to be the best uh, just because I'm the tech lead. It's time for another episode of Extend Sweden podcast. Our guest today is Linda Almqvist, a tech lead at Prototype. She is going to share with us her career journey and where she at now. And I am Sede. I'm Daphna and today we interview Linda. So welcome. Thank you. We're very happy to have you today and we would love to hear a little bit about what you do today. My name is Linda. Thank you for having me today. Um, I'm a developer uh, working for Prototype. Has been have been working as a developer there for almost three years now. Um, and uh, Prototype is a code lab where we want to produce uh, apps and uh, and programs that break new ground. So, uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what ty- what uh, stack do you work with? What type of uh, projects? Maybe a little bit about your day to day work. I'm currently a tech lead in a, one of the biggest projects in Prototype's history, actually, and um, we're building a portal for a company um, that handles money, basically, and uh, a way of visualizing uh, their investments. And the stack we're working with is um, React uh, with a Node Express backend and uh, some small services around it to support it. Um, so basically JavaScript, TypeScript. We're using React hooks and we have been since the beginning. Maybe we can start from how you started your uh, journey in tech. So it's uh, your first job, right? Yes. Can you share a little bit how you got how you got there? Yeah, um, I went to a two-year vocational um, university called Media Institute. When you go to a vocational university, you have a lot of uh, internship, which is a great way of uh, getting into the profession and into the work market. <laughs> and um, so actually before I started at Prototype, I did a almost one year internship at a consultant agency and it was pretty fun, but uh, I guess it wasn't really for me to be a consultant in that way. Um, so I got in touch with the Prototype. Uh, actually a friend recommended me there and we, uh, uh, yeah, I guess we clicked. Um, I really like the way that Prototype are uh, thinking about things. Um, it's a, very heartful company for real. We care about our employees and uh, we strive to do fun things, not just produce uh, apps uh, on an assembly line, basically. And so I worked, like when I started a prototype, I got thrown into a Swift project from, uh, I had never even heard of the language Swift. Um, when I started there uh, but yeah it's just like do whatever you can you have time to um, um, read up on it and ask questions and uh, uh, senior developers around me so I was just like oh yeah of course I can do this if they think that I can do it I can do it uh, and at Media Institute that we only learned well we mostly learned vanilla JavaScript and vanilla PHP so I had had barely heard of the concept of a framework or a library before I got into um, yeah, real work, basically. So uh, after the Swift project, I went on to a Java project and then a .NET project and uh, some, um, uh, a short while in a React Native project. So I tried a lot. Uh, I haven't really become an expert in anything yet. Well, I've been working with React now for two years. So I guess that my, that's my strongest part, my strongest language so far. Do you have any tips for people who need to learn new technologies? 
and given that you've done this for quite a lot of times in the past years, maybe you have some things that you noticed that to work for you. Yeah, don't be stressed about it, I guess. Like even my my colleagues that, that has been working for 15 years become um, newbies in a in a language uh, once in a while. And it's okay to feel like a total beginner again and take it from the very beginning. But like, how, how do you um, create a function? Uh, how do you initiate a variable? And um, don't be hard on yourself, I guess, because um, like the concepts are often the same. You just need, it's basically a question about syntaxing, but it has to take time. And you're allowed to do, uh, to make mistakes. It's okay. Have you noticed uh, if some methodology of learning works better for you than others? For example, for me, I just in the past year noticed that if I read a book, about programming, it can take me two years and it works so much faster for me if I watch a Udemy course, for example, then I can do like seven hours of course in one week and I have this knowledge and I feel that I'm a better developer basically. Yeah, I think I'm like you. Uh, I usually, when I have something totally new in front of me, I, I like read up on the core documentation the getting started documentation and then um, watch a course maybe and also if there already is a project I try to follow the flow in that code to see how other developers generally think uh, when developing then when I have some meat on my bones I usually ask questions after I tried and uh, familiarized myself uh, with it first And how much time are we talking about for getting into a new technology on average from looking at yourself and other people that you work with more like a month or a week or different amount? Generally, it doesn't take that long. I usually, uh, you usually start with the project right away and like it takes some time to set up the project and then start on a small task, maybe pair program on a small task. And um, while you learn, like uh, read up a little and try to code a little and maybe a mob program and pair program with someone. But I rarely see like 100% of the time for an entire week or two weeks just studying or it's more organically uh, that I learn while I code on a basic feature together with someone who's more uh, senior in that framework or language. So I guess you're doing quite a lot of uh, pair programming or more programming at Prototip. I tried to do it. Uh, as much as I can and uh, in the project that I'm in right now we have had a lot of different a lot of new developers coming in and it's a good way to onboard them as well and uh, to learn from other even if you are senior in a in a language uh, or in a project for that matter and it's a good way to learn from others also. I agree I think it's uh, fantastic I don't know, Tere, if you've had the chance to uh, work with the pair programming? No, not really. Can you elaborate how, how it is like done? Yeah, you, you often um, talk about the code more uh, and that can be hard to, to actually motivate what you do and why you do it. You don't always know exactly like, why are you doing this? But no, it usually works. <laughs> and, but instead you discuss it and, uh, and uh, maybe get questions. Like, no, I, I don't think that that is the best way. Let's try it this way. And, uh, and actually, uh, don't, you don't get stuck in your own head while programming. And uh, you, it, the, the outcome, the quality of the code is uh, usually better when you are more than one person making all the decisions. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess you're not, uh, when you have a pair programming session, it's just a few hours, right? It's not like full week or something like that. 
Uh, it depends, actually. Uh, sometimes we've tried to do a proof of concept that is very advanced or um, you have a very junior developer on the team. Uh, then you can sit for a couple of days, actually, uh, pair programming, but not all the time and not every day. It's uh, often isolated. Well, I guess it's not as often that I would like to do it. And do you have those? I know that some people, um, when they do pair programming, they really they make sure to switch the keyboard every 20 minutes or something like that. Do you do it very officially or more just um, uh, naturally? Yeah, we try to change as often as possible. Uh, it's harder when you do it um, remote. Like now, you have to change the person who shares the screen and, uh, and set up the project or update the project on your computer uh, when, you know, when you don't sit in the same room as you usually do. But you don't have a stopper uh, or anything like that, right? No, no. That, that, was a, that would be a good idea. I'll try that. Yeah, I mean, I tried it once, so I can't say that it's a... Uh methodology that I'm uh, <laughs> that I've been working for in a really good way for a long time but um, I know that some people use it so I was wondering um, given that you work with it in production with many projects if it's something that you use no it's just like okay I will do this feature and then you can code the next one or uh, I will code until lunch and then you can code after lunch I guess so it's more like that. All right. And then do you do it in a way so that the person with the keyboard is typing, obviously, and the other person is talking and, and is responsible for the thought behind the code? Or do you do it more in a way that the person with the keyboard is doing everything but speaks loudly or obviously, like, <laughs> thanks <laughs> while <laughs> speaking and then you discuss the things on the go. No, it's more of a team effort um, that we discuss and um, make uh, decisions together. I think that, that the, the one with the people, the person that's typing uh, or only, uh, only writes uh, is more of a mob programming um, I would do that when if I mob program, I guess. But if you're like only two or three people, it's usually um, a lot of discussions going on from everywhere. What is the biggest group that you did mob with? Not that big. I'm gonna suggest some more mob in my uh, in my current team. What do you prefer, pair or mob? I don't know really. I haven't uh, mob programmed that much yet. Um, it is hard, though, when you are um, over video. Uh, there's always harder to get everyone involved over video. It's better if you're in a room and actually standing in front of the same computer. Uh, some people get lost in the video, and uh, the people who uh, talks the loudest and the most uh, is, um, is, prob is usually, uh, unfortunately, the one who, who is steering. Is there any correlation between, uh, while you're talking, I was just wondering, between uh, per programming and then uh, code review? Because like if you are like two, three people, or maybe two, let's say, one who's sitting on the computer uh, coding, the other like suggesting, it feels like there is, uh, for me, it feels like it's a code review. I would say like when you're pair programming, you are... Um you are together creating a feature uh, and then put up a pull request and let people who weren't involved in the pair programming session uh, review it um, to make sure uh, the quality of the code in, in yeah as you would with every code review. So no, I, I wouldn't say that it's, uh, it's like a code review, but we do do those kind of code reviews if there's something complex that I've built, for example, it's really hard for someone to just look at the code and ex uh, understand exactly what's going on. So then we usually do some kind of session to go through it together and test it together uh, as a code review. Okay, that's my experience. That's why I was asking it. 
Well, we have a really, um, we have a, a continuous releases. Uh, so every release that we do, every time we merge to um, to the uh, master branch, it gets deployed to directly to product, production. Uh, so we do quite a, uh, an extensive code review uh, to make sure that we don't ship any, any breaking changes. So we are not allowed to merge anything if uh, a certain of people have, hasn't tested it and uh, reviewed it, even though we were six people making the code. <laughs> In your company, is it like uh, an in-house pro- project or you do also client projects? The project I'm with now is um, is a, a client project. So I work with um, the internal tech team at their company. And uh, yeah, usually at Prototype, we don't really support projects or have long-running projects. At least we don't want to really. Um, we're mostly involved with um, making uh, MVPs and proof of concepts and then turning them into projects. So the project I'm working with right now is actually, uh, it started almost two years ago and then we just made a facade, basically, a proof of concept that we actually could visualize the type of data that they wanted to visualize. Uh, with just uh, dummy uh, mocked, mocked data. Um, and we did that really fast um, using, uh, as, we, um, as I talked about before, Tailwind CSS uh, makes you ship things really fast. Uh, and um, yeah, we did it in like two months. And then um, in a, a couple of months later, we started to... Um, transform the proof of concept to an actual product and now it's uh, so we started like we were three people from prototype and with a designer from uh, from another company and now we are 10 developers on this project and a lot of people around it a lot of stakeholders and uh, it's the most important and prioritized project in this company yeah as it as this this project will become a more of a product for this client um we are backing out of the project so when you say um transforming from a proof of concept to a product what does it include yeah it it does requires some work from the client that has to produce uh, and stream us uh, real data and try it with more than one user case and all the edge cases uh, and um, yeah basically make sure that the visualization and the app that we built works with uh, the real data and make it more secure and more robust and um, in creating more features. We started out with a Firebase backend uh, and uh, authentication. We've come a long way since. So replacing the Firebase backend and authentication was with um, some internal systems of the client, or did you develop also the backend? Yeah, we started with a node node app provided by the client that we have developed uh, to the needs of this project and then we put in a react uh, client into the project so yeah it's um, it has developed a lot from that about the firebase uh, backend how do you see that i recently worked with uh, firebase backend and anyway i didn't like it that well <laughs> so how do you see your experience Firebase, it's um, like most developers aren't used to. It's a document-based database. Um, You don't really write SQL uh, queries uh, as you might be used to. But I see it as a a very quick way to get started um, with storing data. So it's it's a very, very powerful tool uh, if you if you are building proof of concepts or uh, MVPs, where you can quickly get started with the database and all, even authentication and the user database, so it's a, it's a good way uh, for the way that we usually work. Uh, like you said, maybe it's for the start, but not for the not for the future. Maybe I don't know. I'm not sure. It's my first experience, so 
how could I cannot say much. But no, uh, do you I, think that it works for production like in a big scale? Yeah, probably. I I don't really have the arguments on why, but I, I guess it wouldn't scale that well if you uh, if you get a lot of users and have a lot of data. And uh, with uh, this um, company that I've been working with, it's uh, it's um, it's a lot of thing that requires a relational database so i guess that and and security um in a particular way uh, that made us uh, instead use a postgres database i guess it's also a matter of pricing yeah, um, when yeah. you get all these uh, out of the box uh, solutions or off the shelf solutions then usually it's more expensive than yeah. hosting your own database yeah but that's a good uh, point yeah, but Sere, what didn't you like about uh, Firebase? Was it the documentation? Because they don't have the clearest documentation, I think. When you use their Cloud Firestore to add um, the data to their to the collection, you cannot prioritize it with based on your indexes to the document. And then um, if you have a front end that uses uh, indexes to uh, let's say um, to list out things or items, it will be a problem. So you have to have another front-end uh, uh, code to structure that as well. So that's one of the reasons I don't like it. Yeah, I guess um, uh, I've heard both. I have um, colleagues who, who prefer and really like the way uh, you can structure data in um, in, in Firebase or a document database, which it is. You can store objects more and, and like nested arrays in that uh, database, which you can't really do in the same way then you have to create mapping tables and uh, uh, connections like that in a Postgres, Postgres or SQL database, relational database. So I guess it's a matter of preference probably as well. And you mentioned uh, Tailwind, which is, uh... A UI library that is pretty new. So I'm curious yeah. uh, if you could maybe share a little bit for listeners who maybe are not familiar and if you've had an opportunity to work with other UI libraries, maybe you can share a little bit about the differences and pros and cons. So yeah, Tailwind, um, it isn't like I worked with Bootstrap and the uh, other like component CSS libraries where you get uh, pre-designed components and um, modules. Uh, Tailwind is more like a um, utility first, uh, as they call it, uh, framework, uh, where they actually, they provide classes like uh, uh, Flex or PT3, um, if you want a padding top uh, of three uh, EM. Um, and you can uh, easily put just like a, a align, center, align. Yeah, they, you have a lot of, what I'm trying to say, you have a lot of predefined classes um, out of the box that makes, that you, that makes you um, develop stuff really quickly without having to move out from your components while you're code, coding. And then you have uh, a config file where you can define app-specific colors or app-specific fonts uh, and things like that. But you don't write a lot of CSS, which makes it really fast. And um, Linda, you mentioned that you are um, doing the role of a tech lead now. So mm -hmm. can you share a little bit about the responsibilities that you have as part of this role? Yes. Um, so tech lead in uh, prototype, uh, you're usually um, responsible for the tech decisions and uh, also in a matter you're the scrum master and um, uh, responsible for budget and everything regarding the project. In this project, we, we had already, when I, when I became the tech lead, uh, that was after, just after we made a proof of concept, then I took over as a tech lead. 
so the main techno technological decisions were already made, uh, and it yeah I had um, a challenge of taking it take it from this uh, little small proof of concept into the this huge project and the, the huge plans that the company had for the project. And um, basically, I did a lot of planning and made sure that um, the developers in my team uh, was up to date with everything and uh, that everybody knows uh, what to do. And also that everybody have fun in the project and feel good and um, like to go to work every day. I think that is important as well. But I'm basically the first line of contact with the client um, and um, to some extent responsible for the project in whole. But... Uh, um, during this time of development of the project, uh, the the company has uh, put in their own tech leads as well. So we have shared the that responsibility because it's a huge project. Yeah, it can it can differ from different projects. In smaller project, um, you have maybe you have to leave lead everything by yourself. Uh, but in this bigger project, uh, we have been more like a team that has uh, led it, uh, me and um, and people if, uh, in leading positions uh, from the client side. But yeah, it's been challenging, I won't lie, but also fun. Uh, it was a bit scary, actually, um, when I became a tech lead and uh, I was the most junior developer in that team uh, by then. And um, yeah, and I felt like I had to prove myself for them and, and uh, come up with the smartest solutions and know everything about all the tech and everything in the project. And it took a while for me to just realize that I don't have to be the best uh, just because I'm the tech lead. I just have to uh, facilitate the work in a good way. Is it fun to be a tech lead or just a, a developer? No, it's fun. It's uh, it's very fun. I I like the challenge. I grow in the challenge. Um, so no, I I don't re regret it. It was really scary from the beginning, and like being a uh, um, like I think most clients aren't really used to uh, being introduced to a young-ish woman as uh, um, a developer with a lot a bit more power. I guess. Um, so I felt that I have had to prove myself a little bit more than my male colleagues, which they take for granted, I think. And did you do specific things to prove yourself? No, I don't, didn't really do specific things. I, I wasn't afraid to say what I thought, uh, to give my opinion on things and be kind of, I've been very forward. And uh, I have uh, uh, let them have my thought when I hadn't, where, when I didn't agree. Um, so I guess that has uh, bought me some respect. Um, turns out that my way has worked quite well. I think it's uh, really impressive um, that you received this opportunity after three years. And I think that it's also cool that you accepted it, right? Because you could say, no, it's, uh, I don't feel ready for this challenge, but you decided to go for it. Yeah. And it was actually when we, uh, when we wanted to, um, when the, when the client wanted us to just wrap, wrap it up with real data after the proof of concept, and then it didn't end, it instead grew and grew. And grew, and I was given the opportunity. Or do you feel ready for this? Do you want to do this? Yeah, I, I said like, no, I'm not leaving this now. I'm gonna see it through, and um, and yeah, it's scary. And I've had uh, one of the co-founders uh, from Prototype has been a really good support for me, um, and uh, always had my back if there were some discussions or um, during yeah some harder times in the project so I've always felt supported which has meant a lot I do look forward to trying out new stuff um, soon I've been with this project now in almost two years so I look forward to trying out another stack maybe and learning something new and also 
during spring now I'm going to uh, take leadership courses new chapter where where are you going to take the courses I haven't decided yet. I'm looking into it. Um, since I'm uh, becoming a tech manager uh, after the summer, I am um, okay. I'm going to do whatever I can to be prepared for that, and I'm also considering getting a coach uh, who has um, gone through the same the same development as I have. Exciting times! Yeah, congrats! Thank you for a tech lead. Is it good to have a lot of tech stack or it's good to specialize in few or maybe one or two which one is really uh, and then easy and achievable as well like you have because whenever you have a lot of languages you might not be an expert in it you just will have some basic stuff so but as a tech lead which one do you think is preferable i guess if i work at an agency that only uses react for example then it would of course be easier and i would become an expert on react much quicker than i'm than i will now so and when we when we are that agnostic that we are about which tech we use for different projects I, I think it will take a long time for me to be an expert in certain things. But I guess for me, I, I think that's very personal. I think a lot of people feel safe to to just like, oh, I'm a React developer, I'm a .NET developer, and like that's your niche. That's what you feel comfortable doing. And but for me, I really like that that you don't get comfortable that you. Uh, that I get the ability to develop and um, and learn new stuff. It's uh, it's very precious to me um, because historically I uh, in other professions I've gotten tired of it very quickly. So I think I need that challenge uh, with completely new things from time to time. So it's it's a good fit for me. So I guess what you're saying is that it depends on the company. Right. In some companies to become a tech lead, you really need to to know the technology they work with very deeply. And in some yeah. companies, it's uh, more about different qualities or different skills, like jumping into new technologies and being able to create things with them quickly. I guess like what I've become an expert on is learning new things and uh, be comfortable with that. And sometimes it's, of course, I want to maybe be better at something that I think is really fun. And now that I worked at React for two years, I, of course, I'm more of an expert on that um, than anything else. But probably the next project I will be with, be in, will probably have a totally different stack. That's fun. I will feel like a, a beginner again. What about you, Daphne? I think that for me... I like the feeling of feeling completely comfortable with the technology and being able to, you know, solve bugs really quick or refactor something really quick. So what I did in my career so far is, but I do also, like Linda, like to try different things. So I tried to mix, actually. I tried to work with one technology for between two years to six years and then to change to something new. Because I feel that for me, if I work, let's say four years with some technology full-time with that uh, technology, for example, Java, and let's say I work for two different companies and I learn good practices from two different scenarios, then after those four years, I'll feel that I'm good enough at it. I'll feel for myself that I have confidence in my abilities in my in this technology and then I feel comfortable to jump to another thing so I would say it's also individual yeah I guess uh, I will when I've been in this uh, profession 15 years maybe I'm an expert at something (laughs) and and also like at Prototype we have um uh, two for two weeks every year we just pause every paid project all the customer project and and just do stuff that we want to do and that really I think it uh, triggers that 
in us uh, at Prototyp, uh, the Prototyp developers uh, uh, longing for trying new stuff. There's never anyone choosing to try something out with something they already know. It's a lot of machine learning or social robots or IoT projects is uh, usually what we do those weeks because that's nothing that we usually get to do uh, with customers, which actually leads to us getting those kind of projects uh, that we want to do. So like we have had some hardware uh, IoT projects and I don't think we would have had that if we don't, if we hadn't had those prototyping weeks to experiment with new stuff. Uh, I was wondering, uh, you mentioned the uh, languages you, <clears throat> you worked with. Uh, one is uh, TypeScript, right? Yes. Um, I don't know if French suggested that I use TypeScript, but I never, I never learned that. Yeah, I really like to work with very typed languages. I, I was in a project um, which had a .NET Core background and an Angular frontend. Uh, and in .NET Core, we use uh, C Sharp, and that's a very typed language. And that worked so well with uh, TypeScript in the front end. And that was magical to work with. <laughs> and um, it's natural for me uh, when you start a new project to just try to start it as good as you can. Um, so we usually uh, use TypeScript uh, with React uh, whenever we get the opportunity because it's... Uh, it brings very good code quality. And um, yeah, so we used the TypeScript in the React app that we added. And now um, we also transform the entire backend into TypeScript as well. It's a very good standard for coding with interfaces and type, type checking and prevents bugs. How do you perform this migration? Because we also... Uh... We were considering to migrate one of our products from JavaScript to TypeScript. So I'm curious to hear if you have any insights or what was the process? Yeah, you uh, just add TypeScript to backend and then take it one file at a time. And it can take some time, but we made it so that every time you change something in a certain file, you make sure to also transform it to TypeScript. So um, every time you touch a file, you're also kind of responsible of TypeScripting it. But it took like six months maybe for us to, I think we have some JavaScript files left in the backend still, but it's uh, mainly TypeScript now. And then when you're done, you can uh, enforce some linting rules. Otherwise you will be uh, covered with warnings and errors every time it's it's not a good dev experience so wait with that one thing that i feel that is very interesting about your career journey is that you actually did a career switch so you started um it, it wasn't your first career to work as a developer or in engineering and i think it's uh, it's very interesting and inspiring so if you could share a little bit about it. Yeah, yes, of course. Um, yeah, I guess I've been thinking about how I came to do all these switches. <laughs> but like when I was 19, I worked at Volvo uh, at the assembly line uh, building cars. And it was so um, sexist, this workplace. And um, a lot of guys, so I guess like, a natural reaction for me was was to switch to a very female um, dominated um, profession, uh, and also I was very interested in skincare and skincare products, and I talked a lot about that with my friends and and realized yeah this that's a profession that I would probably like that I like to talk to people and uh, yeah so I thought that that was a good fit so I. Uh, in 2008, I took a, a one-year um, education to become a skin therapist in Gothenburg. And like, very soon, uh, even during the, the, the school time, I realized that it might not be for me. I get really bored with all the treatments and repetitions, uh, but I really liked the theory part of it. It was a lot of physics and 
chem uh, chemistry and anatomy actually uh, but I gave it a try and I worked as a, a skin therapist and a spa therapist um, abroad and in uh, in Sweden and then I got uh, it wasn't for me to do a lot of uh, of the same treatments every day I get really bored and you're also like a therapist uh, for people's uh, emotions uh, you would I would say when you do touch people they open up um, so I worked a bit um, I worked as a skin therapist in marketing and uh, wrote uh, sales texts and um, made designs and also um, education and uh, sales in a, in a skincare agency for three two or three years and uh, well it wasn't better with the uh, industry dominated by women I guess and uh, it wasn't really for me and uh, yes like already in high school I code a bit um, I made my first web shop uh, when I was 18 and I, I think I didn't really realize then that you can make a, a profession out of it it was too fun so I found a school and, uh, and I applied for it and I didn't really know uh, what it meant to be a developer until I met a school teachers for an interview. And then I really realized that, wow, this is what I want to do. Yeah, I, I've never been so happy with a decision in my entire life. Uh, from day one, I, I just love uh, the way of thinking, the logic when you're a developer and you create stuff and you have to you get to be creative and you have to be you have to solve problems in a way that I really appreciate it it was like my brain was meant to do it so um so there was a two-year education at Media Institute and uh, I thrived <laughs> I guess and uh, and then we had almost one year of uh, internship and yeah, ever since then, it's just been moving on in a natural way. It's just, uh, I feel very appreciated. And all the experiences that I've got from being a skin therapist, being in sales, uh, working a lot with service and with people has actually prepared me quite well for being a developer. And I think that that is what has speed up my career, I guess, in uh, as a developer. So I, it, it's been scary and I'm new to the to uh, coding and developing, but I, I know people, uh, which has uh, um, facilitated uh, my work as a, a tech lead in a good way. So, yeah, I guess if I would, if I would give um, advice to anyone else, I was 30 when I became a developer. Um, Make sure that you get appreciated for everything that you've done before. It's like um, you talk about the stereotype developer being uh, introvert or antisocial, but that's not the case now. It's the uh, soft values like that, which we women often um, have, um, are more and more appreciated and valued and sought for in the, in the industry. Uh, you went for an internship uh, with uh, a company. Did you choose yeah. the company or the school assigns you? And then how was your experience? And do you think it was useful? Um, yeah, I chose the company. It was a consultant company um, called Chess. Um, by recommendation, a lot of um, classmates before me had, uh, had really appreciated their internship there. And um, it was uh, well recommended, and it, uh, it it as a place where you can be yourself and uh, and a nice place to work. And um, but I I thought maybe I didn't have that great experience because we were so many. There were like ten or twelve interns there at the same time. So I, I guess we didn't really get the attention that we needed really. Um, uh, a lot of self-studies and uh, some internal projects so I didn't really like it I wasn't amazed uh, and uh, I didn't want to really be an outsourced consultant in that way that uh, a job at uh, that consultant agency would so I got uh, recommended the prototype by a classmate actually yeah 
I actually switched my, I think it was like my last three weeks of internship to Prototype. And then I got employed when it was over. So I wasn't out of, the wor- out of work for one day even. I think it's really cool what you said and, and very uh, important to notice for people who do career switch that you don't really start from zero. You actually no. have all the, all the experience from other workplaces that is useful and is meaningful um, and, and some skills that you've acquired that are uh, valuable. Yeah, it's become very clear to me. And I think that the, the industry needs to be educated about that as well. Like, oh, you've only worked for one year as a developer, so you're very junior and you don't... Like, I've never been put in that place, uh, really, at Prototype. It's like, uh, I've never been like, you're a junior developer, so we, you're going to go hand in hand with someone else. Uh, it's more like, okay, yeah, you try it. Uh, right straight into the deep water and... Let's see what happens. And that's, uh, I think that's uh, good for your own development that you don't, um, you aren't held back by anyone but yourself, basically, uh, and your own prejudice about, about yourself. Um, but you, you get to get right into the adult pool from the beginning. Do you feel that you have imposter syndrome? Yes. <laughs> of course, yes, from day one. Like everybody knows what everybody is talking about all the time. I am the only one who doesn't understand this. Uh, and I think like I think I have realized a little bit more now that yeah, there are more people that don't really know what's happening right now. So I've tried to I try to uh, dare to ask the questions that I that I think that everybody else uh, understands but me. And quite often or always realize that oh yeah I was also wondering that so I think it's getting better but uh, as I like move up <laughs> and become a tech lead and later a tech manager I still like why why <laughs> I have really fooled these people well yeah, yeah thanks for sharing I think that it's uh, something it's a very common feeling that I also experience from time to time yeah. um and And this is why I wanted to ask you, because you've been uh, given this recognition and promotions. And I think that you're doing really great uh, getting all these responsibilities um, and taking a leadership role within engineering and still just sharing that it's a feeling that you still have sometimes. And I think that many, many people have it, actually. So it's very natural and it's not real. (laughs) No, it's not real. Uh, I have to, to, to say that to myself repeatedly. But uh, yeah, um, I think we all feel it from time to time or, or uh, a lot of the time, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure, but I think it's more common with uh, women, uh, which is uh, unfortunate and weird. It's, uh, I read somewhere that it is more common actually because of the underrepresentation and because of yeah. the stereotype of how a um, uh, uh, common developer looks like, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't fit into that box. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's very important for work- workplaces to create an inclusion feeling. Um, and it sounds like prototype are doing it really great. Yeah, we're trying. It's hard. It's hard to. Um, it's actually hard to to uh, recruit women because they are very sought after and uh, not as many yet as uh, men. But we're 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 working on it. We have uh, employed four women just this this uh, autumn. Do you have any advice for junior developers uh, from your experience? I guess like it's not I don't have a magic recipe or anything um, but just don't be afraid Uh, don't be afraid to like first and foremost ask questions as we said like imposter syndrome we all suffer from it and um, there is no stupid questions I have never uh, experienced anyone saying oh my god what a stupid question you don't don't you know that Uh, never happened actually um 
And also don't, don't be afraid or hesitate to give your opinion. Um, because like, okay, you will probably be surrounded by, uh, surrounded by a lot of senior developers, but they might be stuck in their own old ways. So your opinion still means a lot and is valuable. You have fresh knowledge and a new way of seeing stuff, looking at stuff. So um, yeah, don't be afraid to show what you're made of. Be tough, claim your respect. So finally, um, do you want to say something uh, as a conclusion? And then where can people can find you? Maybe if you have a homepage or your you have any social media so people if they want to contact you or ask you questions or get advice from you anything you want to say to conclude it's been really fun to be here and talk talk with you awesome ladies in tech and um, i hope that you listen are not afraid to take a leap and try something new it's a it's a it's a future profession. It's uh, you won't be out of, of you won't be out of a job. You will have fun at work every day. And um, if you have any questions or want some advice or want to take a fika, you can uh, find me at uh, LinkedIn by my name Linda Almqvist, or you can go to uh, prototype.se and read more about the prototype and you can find me there as well thank you so much thank you it was awesome to speak with you and i think that you are very impressive thanks and i'm looking forward to see where you where you grow to thank you that's yeah it's it's really for sure been an honor to be to ask to be a part of this and really fun. Uh, I would like to thank you, Linda, for sharing experience with uh, our podcast and then looking forward to uh, chat with you in the future.